Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Welcome into the Golf Channel podcast. I'm your host, Will Gray, joined now by GolfChannel.com senior writers Rex Hoggard and Ryan Lavner. We are putting a bow on 2017. We are looking ahead, boys, to 2018. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2018. From, from the past. Uh, so this is the non-Tiger division. We, we've set aside a good chunk of time to talk about various predictions and prognostications for Tiger, but let's look at the other, you know, 1,500 golfers in the world that may grab headlines from time to time in 2018. Uh, Rex, let's start with you. What is one storyline you're most looking forward to watching in the new year? It's, it's always the same when we go into these years, right? It's Tiger. No, well, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, it's always the Ryder Cup. I mean, when we sit here next year at this time, we're going to be talking about the Ryder Cup. However that plays out, either the U.S. finally wins after more 25 than... 25 years. Yeah, more than two decades of, of going overseas and, you know, getting boat raced or it's another walkover, whatever the case may be. There's a hero that comes out. It always seems to be European. It, it's always about the Ryder Cup. Look, there'll be special things that happen at the Masters, at the Majors. There'll be things that come up over the course of the year that are very, very notable, but it's always the Ryder Cup. I mean, it, it, it's the one event in golf, maybe outside of the Masters, that never fails to disappoint. I would, I would agree that that's the, that's the event that everyone's got circled on their calendar, and, and for a good reason. I think... The U.S. team over the past two international team competitions has shown something they probably haven't shown in decades. Fire. I mean, desire. Yeah. yeah, I mean, whatever it is. It, there's, there's just so much optimism surrounding this American team that I think even though they are going to foreign soil and even though they haven't won over there in 25 years, I think there is an expectation based on what they did at Hazeltine and what they did uh, just a couple of months ago at Liberty National that this team should run roughshod over this European team. It's, well, it's, it's probably going to consist of that same core of players that we saw at Liberty National, and that team was almost historically great. And there's a lot of optimism that came out of Liberty National for a lot of good reasons. Too much? Uh, maybe a little bit, because these are two different animals. I mean, and look, the, the young guys will figure it out. Some of the guys already know it. Certainly Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth have been exposed to losses as well as, as victories when it comes to the Ryder Cup. But we always, always get caught up in these paper lions, right? Like, the United States should be the better team. It should Every year. They, every single year they show up. But there is something different about this group. There is a sense among them that they're the best team, best American team that's been assembled for decades now. And it's hard to debate that. Coming out of next year's, I think we'll have a better handle on exactly how good they are, how they handle this unique kind of pressure. But it will be interesting to watch. And it's injected new life into an event that already had plenty of life. Or go ahead. I was going to say, if they can win in Paris, yeah. I mean, I think the lid's off on where this run of American dominance is going to go. 
if they can get over the hurdle two decades, if they can get over the hurdle of oh, of, of ending two decades, good. Look at the core of the team. We're I talking about twenty-four but year ne- olds. But it, it never, it never goes in those sustained runs like that. Even on the European side, the last it's been eight, eight of the ten. eight of what eight of ten for Europe. Yeah, so it did. That's two decades. And that was that was essentially the same core group. I mean, we're talking about Lee Westwood. Eight hundred. That was talking about probably Sergio. I mean, we're talking about this core group of players. And if these guys are as good as they were at Liberty National, now let's face it, it's the international team. They're just not that good. Yes. I mean, if, for whatever shout reason. Out the international team. Shout out to the international team. I, I feel for them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what their. It's, mo- just, it's just not fair. I don't know what their motivation is to show up in two years at the next Presidents Cup, even on their soil. Well, it's a nice so to trip speak. to Royal Melbourne. There's and worse it's, places it's to be. In beautiful. Melbourne. There's worse places to be. But I mean, you have to feel sorry for them. But you wonder if inside their European team room now they're kind of looking over their shoulder because they certainly haven't the last decade, two decades. Yeah. Well, part of. Part of that core that we're talking about is the top three in the world rankings going into 2018 are all Americans. The first time that's happened since, I believe, 2009. But we're talking Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Lav. Of those three, who do you expect to have the best year in 2018? I think the default answer is Spieth because he's had one down year in his very short career. I think I'm most interested, however, to see Justin Thomas Mm-hmm. in 2018. We, we did a Class of 2011 project um, a couple of weeks ago uh, for GolfChannel.com, and during the reporting of that, I talked nice to Scott it. Limbaugh, who recruited Justin Thomas to Alabama. He's now the coach uh, at, at Vanderbilt, and Limbaugh made the point that Justin Thomas has always been able to create a chip better than anyone that Limbaugh has ever seen, and that carried him through junior golf because JT was never the best junior golfer in college, even though he won the Haskins Award. Everyone looked at Spieth. Spieth gets the pros. Spieth wins a major. Thomas has always been a little bit behind. So now that JT's had this career year, he wins five times. He is player of the year. He's the FedEx Cup champion. Uh, he's cracked the top five in the world ranking. Where does he go from here? Where does he get that hunger from? Where is his motivation? That's what Limbaugh was most interested to see. You know, How can he create that chip that has made him so great to this point? He's 24 years old. Where does he get that chip now in 2018 after having all that success. And JT talked about this. I mean, he talked about having to reset those goals on his phone and wanting to talk to Jordan and Tiger and Jack Nicklaus and these other guys who have gone through these historic seasons and accomplished all these goals. How do you reload mm-hmm. going into next season? I mean, he's from Alabama, so that should help. I mean, well, let's face it, they're pretty good at doing that. But it will be difficult. That will be a new challenge that he's never faced before. And, look, I agree with you. Jordan Spieth, I'm out of the Jordan Spieth doubting business. Because I kept expecting him early in his career to hit the wall, and he simply has not done that. He continues to amaze. Uh, we've we've done these podcasts before. You said Jordan <laughs> Spieth cannot keep making putts like and, he had. You said so that he repeatedly. Game. That's so, exactly. So he became the best the iron player on tour. So, like I said, I'm out of the Jordan Spieth doubting business. I mean, he's just proven that he's able to overcome whatever it is thrown in his direction. Certainly, when you look at what he did at the Open Championship. Thirteenth hole. Or range, however you want to look at that. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm going to go another way. I'm going to go Dustin Johnson. It seems like we have such short memories yep. when it comes to this sport. And when you go back to last spring, and he was the hottest player on the planet. It wasn't even close. Tiger-like. It was Tiger-like. I mean, there was no way anyone was beating him at Augusta. The only thing that could beat him at Augusta was apparently uh, some slippery slo- socks and some stairs that he fell down and hurt his back. And that's the only thing that stalled him. And I just don't see either from a motivation standpoint, from a talent standpoint, from the physical things he's able to do on a golf course, how he doesn't pick up where he left off. And once you put, let's go down the list. Let's put all these guys head-to-head. And if all of them are at their best, 
we can play who wins this matchup, who wins that matchup. Mm -hmm. I'm going to argue that nine times out of ten, Dustin Johnson comes out ahead. DJ is like a, a great wide receiver in the NFL. You just know that he's going to get his. You know he's going to get his 150 yards and his touchdown. Love, you're just living in that fantasy, fantasy football world. world. But like, just but, camps on it, dude. How's your team doing? Good? This is, that's, right? that's a podcast. That's a very sad podcast for a different day. I'm saying the point of this is that Dustin Johnson's going to get his two to four wins in yeah. a year. You, you know it's going to I'm going to go more towards happen. four. And I think it's going to be another major because you start looking at Bell Reeve. You start looking at how these Four wins in a major. We're talking about DJ's player of the year. It, and, look, he really made a good argument for being player of the year and missing a good portion of the year. Regard, and I'm not taking anything away from Justin Thomas. He had a phenomenal year. But, but we're talking in the playoffs. If, if Dustin wins if the Dustin FedEx wins, Cup, it's yeah. a he conversation is, and it yeah. goes in his favor. No, without a doubt. And, that, again, that's missing a large portion of the season. I just think physically he's able to do things that these other guys cannot. Now, maybe Rory if he comes back healthy and he's happy and all those things fall into place for him again, has the ability to do that. Maybe Jason Day, similar scenarios. I'll put the same caveats on him. But right now it's Dustin who's able to produce that week in and week out more consistently than anyone else. Well, I was going to say, we're on the flip side of things, you've got those, you got DJ Spieth and Justin Thomas are going 1-2-3, but the two guys that started the year 1-2 are Jason Day and Rory McIlroy. They both end the year outside the top ten Lav, two very different sort of uh, bounce-back viewpoints for, for these two guys that both went through a frustrating and, and soul-searching 2017. What do you think about their chances, and maybe who do you like better going into 18? Yeah, I think, you can, I think you can make the case for both of them that had off-the-course things that, that detracted from their performance on the golf course in 2017. Jason Day had the, the issue with his, with his mom and you know, the relationship with his caddy and swing coach and father figure soured uh, as the year went on. And with Rory, he's getting married, he's changing equipment, he's dealing, he's he's dealing with a nagging rib injury Rory, that, the you, entire you, you year. Flip that order there. Rory got hurt three weeks into the year, and that changed everything for how... Didn't have the chance to prepare like he wanted yeah. to. So I think when you look for bounce-back potential, I think, I think it's always, I always going to be Rory. I think looking in, in hindsight, you can almost say that Jason Day caught a hell of a heater for two years. Now, is he, is he capable of producing that type of golf again? Probably. Probably. He needs to get his driver situated and he needs to get his putter straightened out. If he can get those two most important clubs in the bag straightened out, you know, I think he can win multiple times again in a year. But I think Rory has, as we've seen in the past, that alpha dog, that superstar, that number one in the world potential, the potential to dominate the game that I'm not sure Jason Day has. Rex, one way or another, we're going to be talking a lot about Rory in the first couple months of the year, just because playing a ton, playing a super lot. ambitious schedule. He's he's made no bones about the fact that he is trying to chase down the last leg of the career Grand Slam. He's put a big emphasis on his Masters prep, and this year he's going to try and do it a different way. We could be talking about maybe up to eight tournaments that he's going to play before he even gets to the Masters across the PGA. Hope that Tour and European Tour, exactly. He's trying to get back and go jump right into the deep end, but, but what are your thoughts on, on Rory and then specifically about how that schedule might, might shape up for him? I don't have a problem with having an ambitious schedule. That doesn't mean you have to play all those events if your body doesn't react, if your game doesn't react the way you want to. There's no, no rule that says he can't pull the plug on a couple of those, let's be honest. Tampa? Tiger. Uh, sure. I mean, I think there's plenty of things you can do. Uh, to go back to your original question, yes, I, I agree with what Lav says, it's, it's going to be Rory. If we're sitting here next year and, and Rory does not have a good season, I'm going to be more surprised yeah. that he didn't have a good season than I am Jason Day. 
And look, you can talk about Jason's driving, you can talk about his putting, it's all in between his ears. And splitting with Cole Swatton, as you pointed out, is probably not the best thing for him. So I, I don't know how he rebounds, as opposed to Rory, who's going into the season excited. He's going into the season with a very, very busy schedule. He's going into the season having actually spent an offseason working on all those changes he talked about. And again, I think he has the ability to compete against Dustin Johnson if both of those games are on. And that would be fun to watch. And I don't want to take anything away from Jordan or Justin or any of the other young players. But again, if you put all of these guys head to head at their absolute best, I think Dustin and Rory get the best of those guys more times than not. I, I love seeing Rory say that he's going to play eight times. And whether he actually plays eight times, is, I think, is irrelevant. The thing, the thing that I want to see during this break where I wanted to see his wedge game improve, I wanted to see his putter improve. I think we're going to find out quickly whether that's the case. And I wanted to see him hungry again. I think there was some, there was some questions in a, a narrative that developed this year whether Rory has the motivation and the hunger to keep up with these guys. I remember Steve Elkington writing on Twitter, hey, this guy's just happy with you know, the, the numbers in his bank account. And in, in, in Rory kind of took some heat for that. Um, whether there's some truth to that, we don't really know. We're not inside Rory's head. But I wanted to see the hunger back in Rory. I want to see him reclaim number one. I want to see him go win one race. I want him to, to think that you know, these last few years uh, haven't been up to his standard. I want to see him go out and try and play. And I think we're going to see that for the first four months of the season. Whether he plays bad or not, at, at least we're going to see Rory get out there and want to test himself. I think that's, that's a step in the There's two elements of that, and I agree with you. The motivation has been strange the last few years. I don't know if he's lost it, but let's face it, once you get to a certain point in your career, it's easy to get distracted by other things, whether that's getting married, new equipment contract, whatever the case may be. He's got two built-in motivators right now. He's got the Masters, which is obviously at the top of the list to complete the career Grand Slam, and then he has the Ryder Cup, which he treats just like the Masters. So I think he's got two bookend elements to his season that will keep him motivated and keep him fired up. We talked a lot about what Justin Thomas is going to do as a follow-up to a, a Player of the Year campaign in 2018. But we got together, I think last week or a couple weeks ago, and we talked about we put our predictions in for the 2018 majors, who's going to win each major. And I came off of the, our taping there, and I realized we did not at any point mention the name John Rahm. Mm. And... Oversight or otherwise, it's, it's, we're going to find out. But he is certainly in that category of what can you do as a follow-up. Rocketing up the world rankings from outside the top 100 to now number four in the world, winning three times, bookends at Torrey and Dubai. Lab, what are your thoughts on essentially the sophomore season for John Rahm as a professional? Better get used to it. I think three wins is like the template for what he's going to do every year, whether he builds off that, uh, I think is certainly possible. I mean, this is a guy who's got literally every single tool in the tool shed. His, he's one of the best drivers on the PGA Tour. In his first year on tour, playing a golf course that he's seen for the very first time, he was third on tour in strokes gained tee to green. There is no weakness in this guy's game. I think it shows winning in San Diego, winning in Ireland, winning in Dubai, that this guy's game travels. Um, I think three wins is the start of what this guy can do per year. I, I, didn't, I, I did not put him as one of my major predictions, um, probably foolishly, because I, th I do think he's going to contend for one of them. And I think the great thing about John Rahm is you don't know which major it's going to be, right. but you wouldn't be surprised any if it's of, any of them. Any of the four. And, and look, let's be honest. I mean, the fact of the matter is none of us are going to be surprised if he does win a major next year. He yeah, has the game, yeah. as you pointed out. I mean, to do what he did his rookie year on the PGA Tour, didn't call it his rookie year, but it was essentially his rookie year. 
I think the problem is we have this embarrassment of riches now, where there's only four. There's only ma- four. There's, there's only, only four, four majors, <laughs> and the fact is we can go a list of five, six, seven, eight players deep, and of course that John Rom would be on that list, but you you only have so many open spots, so it's difficult to sit here. But no, I don't think anyone would be shocked if he wins three, four times next season and a major. There is one area I think that Rom can improve, and I think he'd be the first to admit it is his is his mental strength. I think. We saw at the U.S. Open he had just an absolute meltdown. This guy has all the physical tools, but if he can kind of straighten out, if he can learn to harness his, his anger, I mean his, his anger management, if he can somehow learn to deal with that in a better way, whether it's dealing with a former bomb disposal expert, which he's currently working with, um, or, or whatever the case is, uh, I think this guy is the number one player in the world. John, John Rahm is the number one player in the world eventually if he can tick that final box and learn how to harness that. And that's what Justin way. Thomas did so well last year. Yes. I mean, that, that's really, if yep. you look at all the bits and pieces of his game, we can break it down and talk about the little things he did better. But the biggest thing, and he talked about this at length, is getting an experienced caddy on the bag who keeps him under control and doesn't allow him to get angry with just one missed shot. Look, yep. you, you, you can miss a shot and still win a tournament. Yep, great point. Justin Thomas, John Rahm both took big strides. In 2017, we saw Xander Shoffley go from off the radar to winning twice, including the Tour Championship. Do you guys have anyone in mind for, for a potential leap candidate in 2018? We've already seen guys like Patrick Cantlay and Austin Cook both win in the mm-hmm. fall portion of the new PGA Tour wraparound schedule. Lab, I know you and I have had several discussions about the, the high ceiling for Peter Uline mm-hmm. now that he is finally entrenched on yeah, a PJ tour rookie yes, uh, yes, by, yes. by definition oh. only we'll do a separate podcast for how peter uline is by the rules a rookie on pj tour and and john rom was not and, and bo hostler is not this year just mm. set that up we'll, rice we'll, and Shampoo. Yes. yeah i mean yeah. you can go down the list yeah i think i think you can do i think you can do these leaps in tiers so i think a player who's already established who's going to take the leap next year and we've probably been saying this for the last five years i think is ricky fowler it's not this is not a, a quick reaction to what he did at the Hero, shooting 61 in the final round. This is a guy who has taken immense strides with his putting and short game that was probably lacking a, a couple years ago. He's, he's a guy who, I think he's, Rex, correct me if I'm wrong, you see your buddies win a bunch, you see Justin Thomas, you're congratulating him, you're congratulating Spieth, that's got to wear on you. I mean, seeing that over and over again, being the, being the bridesmaid, that has to wear on you. I think Ricky Fowler probably gets knocked too much for being too much of a nice guy. You know, he doesn't have that quote-unquote killer instinct. I think 2017 should have provided all the motivation that he needs to take that next step and just clear that final hurdle to be a, to major, to be a major champion. No, and he's an easy choice in this particular category, but I'll go back to what Butch Harmon told me Saturday afternoon at the U.S. Open when it seemed like he was putting himself back in contention. Yeah, of course, he's taken all the steps. It seems like a major is the next logical step, but Butch goes he still has to do it. He still has to go out there and find a way to win. And, look, that's an acquired skill. It's not like you're born with that. I don't believe that. You have to figure out how to win, particularly on Sunday at a major championship, and he still has to do it. And I don't know. You can go through a list of young players who you feel like could take the next leap. I mean, we, you know them better than I do, Ryan, but Patrick Rogers. I mean, all these guys who have been around. I just mentioned Bryson DeChambeau. All these guys seem to continue to improve year in and year out. Who's going to be the next one? I think Aaron Wise. Uh, former NCAA champion, he he comes off. He 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 strikes me as a guy who he could win a tournament and miss four cuts in a row, and then he could have a top five and f- finish 40th for five straight events. He's he's kind of that um, 
hot or cold type of talent, but I, th I think all the talent is there. Uh, this is kind of cheating a little bit, but, man, the ceiling on Patrick Cantlay is exceptionally high. What he did in limited starts last year is amazing. To make it to the Tour Championship with a dozen starts, was yeah. that it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. I, and I, I argued with you on a couple on the clocks that we did that this guy should be on the President's Cup team. Yeah, he still shouldn't have been on the President's Cup team. But of course was, he should have. No, of course he should not. Well, really? He's, well, he's going to be on the team. Who are you taking off? He's going to be, uh, I could take off. Because you're going to take someone off with a winning record, so I want right. to hear this. I'd take off Charlie Hoffman. I'd take off Kevin Kisner. They had he winning qualified. He qualified, yeah. But Patrick Cantley would have qualified, was, is the argument that you would make, if he had the starts and the two-year window. With a year and a half. Well, now you're extrapolating results yeah, they, back retroactively. Yeah, you exactly. can't. You can't do that. No, I mean you can't take someone off that qualifies. And if you want to take Charlie Hoffman off, I mean he had a winning record. How do you take him off? He had a winning record after the fact. Well, yeah, that's the point. You didn't know that when you made the picks. Well, yeah, because I can look back at history the way things played out and say you you can't look back <laughs> at history and say oh well he would have had a great 2016. You can't do that. Patrick or Patrick Kentley could have gone. Undefeated, who knows? Listen, We're as not the, playing that game. As the president of the Brooks Kepka should have made Glen Eagles fan club, I would say, let's just move on. You're never going to know. He'll, maybe he'll be on the team in Paris. He's going to be on the team We're in Paris. We talked about John Rahm. Brooks yeah. Kepka yes. is a far winning another major. I mean, he has to be the guy that wins a major. Maybe, I mean, we can probably go back pick out some primary examples. I mean, Sean McKeel probably comes to mind. But, I mean, absolutely no respect whatsoever. I mean, he isn't yeah. mentioned at all in any of these podcasts. It's true. And he has all the similar skills that we just talked about with Dustin, and yet somehow he's falling into the radar, which is amazing to me. Which I think is kind of his persona. I think he's more than happy to fly under the radar. And I think DJ's perfectly happy to fly under the radar. It's an interesting dynamic. But it is kind of interesting. He, he waxed the field that final day at Aaron Hills when you had Justin Thomas near the lead, you had Ricky Fowler, you had a lot of different storylines in play, and with six holes to go, we looked up at the leaderboard, and Hideki Matsuyama, who we also haven't mentioned, you look up at the leaderboard. Tough in all four majors last year. Right. You look, you look at the leaderboard and you're like, oh, this is pretty much done. Let's start, let's start cranking. Yeah, and you can say what you want about the golf course. Let's face it, Aaron Hills was not popular, but you're still bidding the best field in golf. Right. And he, he, I mean, people just say he's just a brainless basher, and Aaron Hills kind of is perfect for his type of game. And I would, disagree, however, I would disagree with that notion, but yes. However, he's shown that his game plays well anywhere. He's a consistent consistent top-tier finisher in every major that he plays. Uh, several new courses coming into the rotation for 2018. Major-wise, we're going Shinnecott, Carnoustie, Belle Reve. We've got Trinity Forest added to host the Nelson. We're going to Aronimink for the BMW Championship. Anything sticking out? Lav, are you, uh, you excited to head back towards your old stomping grounds up at Shinnecock this June? I think Shinnecock can be really interesting. I, I hope I'm expecting the USJ to uh, keep the greens alive. Uh, this time, uh, but I think that's just that's a that's a great venue. I don't think it favors any particular style of game, um, and I'm curious to see what the USJ is going to do after uh, Aaron Hills. They've they've vowed not to make any drastic. They're going to play measures. Nice. They're not going to they're not going to have um, some overreaction to the to the scoring that we saw in Wisconsin. However, I'm skeptical. They're uh, going they're going to play nice. There's no doubt in my mind. And this goes how back. How nice can you play at Shinnecock, though? Well, and I go, but this, this is a specific quote. And as, as journalists, you guys, I'm sure, have done the same thing. We were, we were scrumming with Mike Davis last year during the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. And he said, someone was asking about Shinnecock. And he goes, that mistake, of course, the last time it was there, 
won't happen again. If it does, I'll retire. And of course, that one you scribble down very, very quickly. And you know, I put it in my calendar to revisit the first week of June next year because you, mm -hmm. you have to go back and look at it. But it's a telling comment that no, they're not going to let it get out of control again. They're, they could trick it up. It's a new and improved, and they probably will trick it up to a certain degree, but it's a new and improved USGA that they understand that they can easily get embarrassed and they cannot have that. So they will err on the side of caution, again, like they had the last few years. Yeah, they've, they've lost the benefit of but the doubt. But it's the venue I'm players. most looking forward to. Yeah, 100%. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. you love going to the Masters, and, and Bell Reeve is uh, Bell Reeve. Carnoose is going to be a bear. Yeah, but I mean, Shinnecock is going to be interesting considering the history there. And they, it's back in the rotation two more times, so it's not as yep. though it's going anywhere. Yep, better get used to it because we got another eight years. We'll be coming right back down the pike. Uh, is this the year that uh, Phil gets back in the winner's circle? We're going on five years since Muirfield? Same conversation we had about Tiger. I mean, he, sure, we could sit here and say that his game's trending in that direction, but he still has to beat this young crop of players now. But he's had several bites at the apple. He's had a lot of chances over the last couple of years. I think back to Pebble two years ago. I mean, he's had, he's had chances. This hasn't been a Pebble, the Open, St. Jude. I mean, St. Jude's the one that, that sticks out. And look, that's back-to-back -back years when he yeah. had an opportunity to win at St. Jude. And I just think that his game, it continues to improve. He's in great shape for a 40-something, you know, a guy in his mid-40s. But the fact is he's competing against those seven, eight guys that we just talked about week in and week out. And it's, it's hard to get those opportunities now for someone in his category. Yeah, I'd say he's still – the problem he's, that he's had is that he's still struggling to put four good rounds together. And when you put it with Phil's schedule and the type of tournaments that he plays – it's going to be really hard for him to do. I just, I, I don't see him winning again. But I'm more. You don't see him winning. Period. I see him winning on the PGA Tour Champions. Wow, you think you think he has won for the last time on I the Under 50 circuit? I do. Yeah, I can kind of see that. And again, I mean, we're talking about the Ryder Cup. Putting, it's putting going to be not such a better. It's going to be such a difficult position. Well, here's the deal: if he picks and chooses the spots, that yeah, Phil could probably go somewhere and win. I don't think career builder. Is out of the realm of possibility. Well, that's the thing. We always talk about with Tiger. Oh, he should play these other events. Phil, those are Phil the best. plays Phil the plays. other Phil events. Phil plays Memphis. He plays Greenbrier. He plays. But he gets beat Bilder. by Daniel Berger in Memphis. I mean, it's it's tough. Again, you're going against these young guys that don't have any institutional knowledge when it comes to I should be afraid with Phil in the final pairing. They don't they don't live by that code anymore. Yeah. And Phil admitted at the FedEx event when he saw his name on top of the leaderboard, it surprised him. That's a hurdle that he has to get over, and it's not going to get any easier now that you're four and a half years removed from your last victory. We shall see. Well, I figure that's as good a place as any. Sorry, Phil. Bow yeah. on things. Yeah, the, Phil, for the record, I think will win at some point. You didn't mention Le Golf National as a new venue. You're not excited about that for the Ryder Cup? Oh, I'm very excited about right. that. Right. Yeah, that makes one get of us. Outside Paris. We'll talk about my my Versailles. summer abroad in it's France. Versailles. It was excellent. Versailles is very nice. It's very nice. Uh, yeah, I think that the countdown to Paris is on for. A variety of interested parties. Including play. Patrick Cantlay, who will be there. Probably, because now he's had those two years. Not that fantasy year that you keep wanting to camp on. He had Even such a good fantasy year. It's not a fantasy year. He had such a good fantasy year. Even though he's carrying zero points into 2018 because <laughs> he wasn't there for the majors. And he will accrue many. Well, he, he's starting in a hole. Taking a leap there in 2018. Not, not, so not too much of a leap. Now, that I can live with. It's, now we've it's been you just ball. demanding, oh, he has to be on the team. I, 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 if you look at his body work, he should have been on the team. All right, this discussion could go on for another half hour if we don't end it here. Patrick Cantlay, the very best of luck to you to see if you can support <laughs> Ryan Lavner's uh, bold prediction. But for Rex Hoggard, for Ryan Lavner, I'm Will Gray. This has been an enjoyable look back at 2017, look ahead to 2018.
We'll be doing this again before you know it, boys. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 